new drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T. Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Give you a programming note here in about 15 minutes. Newly retired, Derek Wolf will join us live on the show at 4.15. And then as we go from one guy retiring, we're going to go to a rookie. You'll hear from Nick Benito at 5.15. In the meantime, how are you, Terry? I'm doing fine. I just came back in from doing a jog through in the parking lot. Right, because that's an honor of the Broncos jog through. I've never heard of a jog through. <laughs> I've heard of a walk through. I've never necessarily heard of a jog through. Any uh, big plans this weekend? Uh, go out to the Broncos tomorrow and watch watch them really put the foot the pedal to the metal. Watch five thousand fans, four thousand, yeah. five thousand fans, four thousand. Yes. And It'll be interesting to see the place full, see if the energy is different and heightened. I'm guessing it will be. And I'm guessing Russell Wilson <clears throat> will run to the berm or burn, whatever you call it, and he's going to high-five everybody because that's what Russell has been doing. And I got to give his wife and kids credit. They have a perfect attendance record. With that, time now for the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. After two hard practices in a row to start training camp, the Broncos slowed down practice today with what Nathaniel Hackett called a jog-through, which is a little but not much faster pace than a walk-through for the third day of training camp. You know, and uh, that was kind of a test for me because to be able to get through this entire season, you got to be you have to learn how to practice with that jog-through mentality. Um, we wanted a little bit more than our typical walks at night. Um, so this was truly a test. We've never done that before with the helmets on and see, and see that. And everybody was nervous about tempo violators and things like that. We had a little incense with DJ early, but uh, um, and he tried to bat the ball down and stuff. But, um, I mean, I'm unbelievably impressed on how locked in they were. I mean, we didn't have many mental errors at all, and the guys were able to communicate and talk. Um, which is what you're trying to create in that environment. Going two days with a conditioning test, want to be sure that they're ready to rock and roll tomorrow. Have you decided uh, when you guys might put You know, it's always about that three-day thing. Three days where all kinds of bad stuff happens. And, uh, you know, I've acknowledged that after all my years, and then all of a sudden you see those things happen, so you want to be sure you can get them fresh, you can go back real hard on that fourth day. Um, so that's what we'll do kind of continuing on as we move forward. We'll just make sure that we go nice, hard couple days and always have a little kind of refresher to get their legs back. That makes all all the sense in the world to me, but I thought there was a very interesting sentence at the start where he said that was kind of a test for me. It's as if he's trying to keep himself restrained from not getting too carried away in it in his first training camp as a head coach. Well, he didn't say it in what you just heard, but apparently they used to do that in Green Bay. Yes. So this isn't the first time he has been a part of it. Two days on, one day off. Right. Kind and, of. and I got to tell you something. If you go back to the day, it, you know when. Teams practice in the seventies and the eighties. Pomona, California, in the in the in the uh, pollution. The guys would get run into the ground. Now, granted, they didn't come in in the same shape as these guys are coming in. But you'd have two a days, sometimes three a days, in Oklahoma drills, and it was blistering hot, and you get punished 
having to do wind sprints and gassers and there'd be no water. I mean, you wrote a book, if I'm not mistaken, or at least you know enough about college football that back in the day of Texas A&M and Bear Bryant and all those legendary coaches and programs, they would run these guys into the ground. And run them off. Hornshawks and Nixon coming went over that in great detail, especially, especially at the University of Texas. Yeah. So this is certainly a new way of doing things. This is not an original idea, apparently, coming from Nathaniel Hackett, as, as uh, Matt LaFleur did that with the Packers. But how much more beneficial do you think this could be in preparing for the season? Well, if it's going to be two hard days and then one day where it's a jog through, which, by the way, Hackett said, we ran more plays today than we did in either of the first or second days of training camp. It kind of seemed contradictory, counterintuitive, but I guess it makes sense if you really sit down and remember what you were seeing the first couple of days. But it was interesting to me on the first day, he was so proud of the, the up-tempo. Right. That, that, and then he said, it's all up to Russell. Whatever Russell wants to do, we'll do. I'll do. So I thought that was kind of an interesting change in the three days. But still, it makes all the sense in the world. They are not coming in here. We've said this a million times. And we'll say it again, is they're not coming in here to get in shape. And I do think kind of the uh, the uh, bell curve of up and down, I think varying the, the intensity of the workouts one day, from the day to the next is an, also a good idea. They, they get, don't get in a rut. They don't get in a, in a pattern or a holding pattern, and they're, they're looking for the changes each day, especially on the third day. And it's interesting, he basically said the third day is, is a – is, is perilous because bad things can happen on the third day. But he's going to continue to do this. Two hard days, a day that you have a jog through, where you're, you're kind of shifting your gears, where you're in fifth gear, then you're going to go fourth gear, then you're going to go second gear, then you're going to go back to fifth gear. He's going to vary it up. And actually, I like that philosophy a lot. I mean, it, it's nice to have a little variance. You don't want to do the same thing every single day, but I think it's going to keep the guys fresher. And he also brought up this point. You didn't hear him say it in the sound clips that we played, but he wants these guys banging, ready to go tomorrow. So you put your foot on the gas first two days, take your foot off the gas today, which is a good thing, and then bang tomorrow. It just so happens, yes, that four or 5,000 people are going to be there. Uh, and, And some will say, well, it's probably not a coincidence. He wants them fresh for tomorrow. I think this is the way it's going to be through training. The only problem in my mind is if he sees players and senses players taking advantage of the leisurely pace. And then I think you have to be adjusting and adaptive and put the put the accelerator back down. Maybe not and to vary away from this pattern to go back to to go back to emphasizing tempo maybe on a day that you weren't scheduled to. He wants to see effort every day. He wants to see pace. And it sounds like he has been pleased with the first couple of days. Sounds like he was pleased with today. But can you make the case that maybe Hackett is babying his players? We used to say this uh, about certain coaches and certain training camps. You have a coach who's not a hard ass, and it's not training camp, it's summer camp. Are you worried about that, that it could become a summer camp? Not at all. As long as the provision is attached to all of this, that if you sense that kind of leisurely pace infecting, the, infecting a day's work, that you're, you can make the decision on the spot, 
step away from the script even and, and adjust and put the foot down. I love this put phrase. put foot in a, you know what. I, I love this phrase. And some people will say, Eric, you're not like this. And that's okay. That's fine. Um, I like to feel that I'm a generous person. I like to feel that generally speaking, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I like to feel that I do the right thing and I'm honest. All of that said, how I what I would say to somebody if they were taking advantage of me, mm-hmm. if I felt they were, and I'm likening this to Nathaniel Hackett. Don't confuse my kindness with weakness. Uh-huh. And that's how I think he's going to look at it. He has been very effusive in his praise. Um, he, he's trying to make sure that his players don't get worn out. But if they try and take advantage of him, don't confuse my kindness with weakness. Because if I have to drop the hammer, I'll drop it immediately. That goes back to the very point we raised last week about what, at what point does his friendship with Russell Wilson specifically need to be tempered. And he, need, he needs to show everybody, not just Russell Wilson, he needs to show everybody he's capable of being a hard-ass coach. Well, so far, watching two full, if you want to call it, full throttle practices, today certainly was not. I don't think Russell Wilson has given Nathaniel Hackett any reason to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. He has played well. He has thrown with anticipated throws. Uh, he has been accurate. He has run the offense with pace. I don't think that Wilson has given Hackett any reason to be displeased. And as soon as, soon as he does, then then Hackett also could step away from allowing Russell Wilson to set the t- set the pace of practice. Well, I think he wants the pace to be high. I do. But here's the thing. Hackett and Wilson are a really good match for this reason. They're both positive. They both like Ed Sheeran. They love Ed Sheeran. Especially that song about the woman, you know, recovering from being a heroin addict. I can't remember the name of the song. Um I'll, I'll bet Alex No, knows no, that. um no no connection between heroin and and Russell Wilson and Hackett. So please don't take it that way. Both of them are tireless workers. Both of them are really smart, and both of them really want to win. I I would ask you this, and I'm not making a comparison here. Do you think any coach would truly have a reason to yell at Peyton Manning? Uh, Knowing his work ethic. Making fun of his work on the Peyton cat, on the Manning cast. Okay, well, I'm talking... No, not as a football player. That's what I'm talking about. Russell Wilson is all business all the time. People can take knocks at him that he likes to take videos of him and his kids, and he stages photos of him walking out of his, you know, whatever you want to call it, car with his jersey on. That's fine. But when he's on the field, he is all business. I don't think... I, I think Russell Wilson, in a lot of ways, on field is a coach's dream. When you take him off the field with his posse, whatever you want to call it, you can make the case that's a distraction. You can make the case. But when he is on the field, he does everything you want him to do. Holds his teammates accountable, talks to his teammates, wants to help them get better, and he works really hard and he studies a lot. There's no reason for Nathaniel Hackett, honestly, to be yelling at a Russell Wilson. None. You think? No. Not yet. Oh, not yet. I'm saying though, uh, as silly as the as silly as the possibility sounds, at some point, if it's necessary, he's got to yell at he's got to yell at him too. If he has to, listen. I, I I've heard stories where Bill Belichick used to rip apart Tom Brady, but the reason why he did it 
was he wanted to show everybody else on the team that Brady wasn't immune to it. But then again, mm-hmm. Belichick's personality is very different than Nathaniel Hackett. And he had also coached Bernie Kosar. Yes, he did. Coming up after the break, Bernie Kosar is retired. So is Derek Wolf. Oh, that's a nice segue. One of my favorite guys I've ever covered will join us live next. Her face seems slowly sinking, wasting, crumbling like pastries, and they scream. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Anytime you can get a guy, especially that caliber, to be around is awesome. I mean, have gone against him a bunch of times, and, I mean, he was, he was damn good. I mean, he disturbed the middle, was a big dude that uh, fought, and, I mean, he was scrappy, and, I mean, um, so just to have him here and be part of it and be able to break the guys down is awesome because, you know, he always has lots of... Nathaniel Hackett talking about Derek Wolf, who showed up at practice today not to play, not to sign a contract to play, but to sign a contract in order to retire as a member of the Denver Broncos. Welcome back. Goodman Fry, you can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to mightyph.com. Tara, I was talking to my friend Nate Jackson, former tight end uh, for the Broncos today. I said, there's two ways that make me feel old in this business. One, when I cover a guy in college and then his son starts playing in the NFL. That's one way to make me feel old. The other way is what Derek Wolf has done. I remember the day he was born into the Broncos family when the Broncos kept trading back and then they took him in the second round. And now the dude is leaving the coop and retiring, and now I've just aged 10 years instantly. (laughs) Derek, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right, brother. How are you doing? I am great. What was it like walking in with Abby, your wife, your lovely wife, and your daughter today into training camp knowing the fans were going to be there and knowing this is the franchise you wanted to retire with? Uh, you know, it was a surreal moment. It was, it's, I, I kept trying to play like, you know, rehearse it in my head, but I just, this, this moment seemed like so far away from, from reality, you know, 10 years ago that it was like, oh, this will never come. I'll never retire. But it just jumped on me so quick that I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't really know what to say and what to think about it. It was just, uh, I was greeted with so much love and, you know, uh, I had some tears run down my face a little bit there when I went out in front of the fans yeah. with my daughter because it was just an emotional moment for me. Uh, tears of happy, happy tears. It was all good, but you know, I'm just, I'm ready to be done, man. It's, it's, it's time to call it and move on with the next chapter of my life. So it's a great honor. I'm extremely grateful. Derek, Terry Fry here. Are you, what a journey. I mean, from a tiny farm in Negley, Ohio, and maybe this is a cliche, but it fits. You're known as a, 
as a uh, good teammate who fought through considerable physical adversity, incredible physical adversity. How proud are you of that image, reputation, even among your former teammates as a warrior? You know, that's just, that was just kind of in my blood. You know, it's, you know, where I'm from, it's nothing but blue collar, hardworking people that, you know, there is no excuse. You know, you wake up and you go to work and you get it done. And, uh, you know, to me, the greatest, uh, I would say the greatest compliment you can receive as a player is what kind of teammate you were. And I, that was always important to me to be a great teammate. Uh, I know always put, always try to make the people around me better and always do what's best for the team and always try to win a game no matter what. So that was, that's a great compliment to receive to be called a great teammate. And as far as being tough and working hard, that's just kind of, that's, that's how the way the game is supposed to be played. That's why football is different from all these other sports. It's a gladiator sport. And, you know, they're kind of getting away from that and making it a little softer, but you can't really soften up the trench work. Right. There's no way to make it soft. It's physical, hard-nosed football in there. And uh, all those all those rules and stuff, those are for the, for the flashy guys, not really for us. We are talking with Derek Wolf, number 95 for the Denver Broncos. Uh, did you officially sign the paperwork? To go into retirement? I did. You did? I did? Yeah. I signed it today, yeah. Wow. Um, this uh, Terry brought up your toughness, and I think anybody who ever played against you and played with you can certainly understand how tough you were, and you were certainly a warrior out there. I know that you and Abby probably had too many conversations to count when it came to retirement, but was there a certain moment where you said, I just don't think I can do this anymore. Well, you know me, if you know me, you know that I don't ever think I'm out. I know. And That's I, my point. I think I could find, I think I could find a way to just get, get through it. You got another gear, it. man. You always seem to have another gear. It's like, I, I could, I could do a couple more games, you know, I could, but here's the reality. The reality is I got two bad hips. You know, they're both repaired now, but they're never going to be the same. My low back is screwed up. Both elbows have been dislocated. A neck surgery, my neck is still tore up. Bad ankles, my fingers don't go straight. Mm. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And it's it's like this every year, right? So at the end of it, since 2017, I've been saying at the end of the season, I'm like, I don't know if I could do it again. But then the off season comes and I start training and I get healthy again. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. And then the same 2018, I say the same thing. 2019, you know, I was I felt like I was having a great season. Everything kind of fell into into place for me, and then I get injured again, dislocate the elbow, and it's like if you play the game it's the way it's supposed to be played, you're going to get hurt, you know. And that's just the way it goes. And I just I never really preserved myself on the field. I always kind of sold out and put my body in bad in position for injury, you know. Because if you sell out, you're gonna it's just going to happen. So many players. But when I started, I started feeling my my feet slowing down. I was, I wasn't like slowing down like strength wise and everything, but I felt that like I couldn't get my feet up under me as fast as I used to be able to, to protect my head, and neck, and my back and stuff. So it was, I was just going to keep destroying myself. We were playing. It was 2020. We were playing the Colts. I was with the Ravens, and the morning of the game, I woke up. I couldn't get out of the bed. I don't know what was going on. I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't get my clothes on. I, I rolled around on the ground for about an hour before I had all my clothes on. 
made my way down the st- down to the elevator, got to the got to the uh, to the locker room, took some Toradol, and just got through it. And ended up playing a good football game, but it was like every time I tackled somebody, it felt like it felt like my back was just going to explode. So I was like, "Man, I don't know how much longer I can do this." Right. And you always, you always, there's that voice in your head that's like, "Ah, don't listen to him. Don't listen to that doubt," you know. But yeah, you, know, you got to listen to your body sometimes. And and I, I, I spent too many years not listening to my body, and now it's time for me to listen to it and and get it healthy. But yeah, I would say that that. That Colts game in 2020 was one of those moments, but I still felt like I had a lot in a lot left in me. And then after these two hip surgeries, it was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of unrealistic to think that I, I can. Here's the thing: I'm not going to be happy if I can't play at the level that I like to play at. Right. For, yeah, so that, I don't want to just go out there and be a guy. Right. For all of the surgeries, for all of the pain, for all of the difficult times, it was to get in and out of the shower to put on your pants knowing what you're going to be facing moving forward with all of your injuries, with arthritis, so on and so forth. Was it all worth it to get that one Super Bowl ring? Absolutely. Absolutely. My man. It was absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Not only a Super Bowl ring, but I created generational wealth for my children. Yes, you did. As you looked out at those players today, many of them 10 years younger than you, what what did you tell them today? I mean, did you get in, into any of the any of the issues of the the toll of the game and and how it can be how it can be perilous? No, no. I just told them to take don't take any day for granted. You know, don't when you come out here in these dog days at camp, it's gonna suck. You just have to <laughs> embrace that suck. Yeah. You just got to know this is gonna suck, and I'm just gonna and don't just like slop through it. You know what I mean? Try to. Because it's it there's some I don't know I've always, this is just me but when something is hard and I and I grind through it and I just and I and I go through it and I thrive through it you know and I and I come out on top on the other end of it it's I always feel better about myself I always feel accomplished and it could be anything it could be a tough workout it could be a tough practice but those are the days when you don't quit anytime you don't quit that's a victory. You know what I mean? So it's like I just I just told them I said don't take it for granted. Don't take the time in the locker room with the guys for granted. You know, enjoy this process. The training camp is to build the team the team chemistry. That's what it's for. To get in shape for the season, build team chemistry, try to stay healthy as much as you can. Because honestly, when it comes to the NFL, the the first day of training camp is the best you're going to feel for the next yeah. you know six months. Right. <laughs> Right, because after that, it's all it's all just you know maintaining and trying to keep yourself you know Sunday to Sunday in one piece essentially. Um, the one yeah. the one th- listen, I've covered thousands of athletes, as has Terry, but I'm going to share with our listeners and our viewers what it was like to cover Derek Wolf. For starters, you were always a guy who was willing to talk after a loss, no matter how tough it was, and that doesn't happen with a lot of players. You were a stand up guy, but I can't remember. I mean, I can remember more than a few times, not a lot, Derek, more than a few times, I would walk up to your locker, and because you were a veteran, you were one of the best players on the team, you had the corner locker right next to a doorway that I think led into the cafeteria. I mean, you earned that particular locker, and I'd walk up to you, and I'd say, Derek, and you would look at me with steely eyes and say, not today. I'll get you another time. I'll get you. I mean, and when you said that to me, there's only honest to God, there's only one guy 
that I've ever covered that I've truly been afraid of. And I'm sorry it wasn't you. It was Louis Vasquez. That guy scared the <laughs> hell out of me. I don't know why. He just, and I remember, and I talked to him on the phone about a year and a half ago, and I told him that. He goes, I scared you. I said, yeah, you're all tatted out, and so are you, Derek. But you, 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 were, you, were, kind, you were still kind of soft in the middle. I never knew that about Vasquez. My point is, is that you would say not today, and I knew not to push it, but then I'd see you the next day or the next day after, and you'd say, Eric, I'm good. I'll talk to you. But I want to bring up a moment that happened on the show that I did with you, that I did with Les Shapiro, my former partner. This is right when you signed your first, your second contract, I should say. And I don't know if you remember this, but I'm going to let you know what I said to you. And I'm going to see if you can remember what you said. Because knowing you, I bet you can repeat back to me what you said. Our station was on Lincoln Street. And there was a big, that back in the day, and there was a big billboard of Lotto, of Mega Millions and Powerball. And when you came on the show that day, I think it was over a billion dollars. Like it is now. And, and like it is now. And Derek, you had just signed a new deal. And I said, what if you got a deal? Or what if you won, not a deal. I said to you, Derek, if you won over a billion dollars, what would you do with it? Do you remember what you said to me? Oh, probably something outrageous. What you said to me was, I wouldn't want it because I didn't earn it. And I sat, oh, yeah. I sat back in my chair. And, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. And I'm thinking, is this guy for real? You're the only person on the planet that would ever answer that way. But I got to tell you well, something. I well, believed listen, you. The reason why I said that is because those guys, the people, listen, how many stories do you hear about somebody winning the lottery and then they, you know, not to be crude, but they commit suicide a year later? Right. Right. Because they're miserable because they think money's going to solve all their problems. Money doesn't make you happy. Right. Right. It doesn't solve anything. It just makes things more complicated. So if uh, you, <laughs> now that you're, okay, you, I don't believe you may have been with Abby at the time. But I don't believe that you were married. When I met you, you didn't no, have we any weren't married. Right, you don't have any kids. So, so I feel like I'm no. watching you grow up in front of my eyes and now you're retiring and you're making me feel old. So now that you're married, would Abby want to win a <laughs> billion dollars? What would she say to yeah. you? Well, she would she would say if I told her I didn't want it, she would call me crazy. And right. You probably cuss me out and <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was different. It's different though. Like, you know, now it's different. I'm done playing. I, yep. you know, I could do something with that, but, but uh, when you earn the money that you have, yep. it's different from when you just like are given, given it, you know, it's when things are given to people, they take it for granted. Right. Well, and, and it causes, and it can cause, it could cause big problems. I just, at that time I felt like I had just, that was more money than I ever dreamed of. Right. It's more that I'd sign that deal for. It's sweeter to earn it, honestly, than it is to have somebody give it to you. You were talking at the podium today, and Abby and I had a nice conversation. And I remember uh, a player who had just retired, and he looked at me. I was over at his house, and he said to me, Eric, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. My kids are running around. My wife's driving me crazy. I don't know what to do with my life now that I'm retired. So I remember that story, and I looked at Abby, and I said, so how are you going to get Derek out of the house? And she said, oh, my God, he's going to hunt. He's going to do this. 
He has so many different things that he wants to do with his life. With that, I know you have a lot of activities that you enjoy, but what, in theory, enjoy retirement. What would you like to do next? I'd like to do some media. Oh, you'd be awesome. That's what I, that's, I'd like to do some, some media. I don't know, I don't know in, as far as what aspect, uh, whether it's TV or radio, I just think that I think it's something that uh, I enjoy doing. I, uh, I enjoy keeping it real with people, and I enjoy, you know, watch, I enjoy watching football. I enjoy critiquing football. I, one thing I never want to do is coach. Right. I would never want to be a coach. Why? I always, people always tell me, you'd be a great coach, you know, because I'm good at teaching technique and stuff. But right. it's a whole different, it's a whole, these kids, these, these guys are all, it's a whole different generation now. Like, you can't say things to them. You offend them. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's just, so you're saying, I feel like I'd just be too tough on them. So you're saying that you could handle Bill Kolar, but today's player could not handle Bill Kolar. <laughs> Is that Hell what you're no. saying? Hell no. Bill Kolar. <laughs> Bill Kolar is a special kind of coach. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. And he helped you a lot. He definitely helped, he helped you a lot. a lot. And I'll say one more thing about broadcasting. I said this to Abby again when you were talking. I said, you built a name for yourself. You are a Super Bowl champion. People around the NFL and in the media know who you are. That's going to help you get your foot in the door, Derek. But you're going to stay there because you were always a great interview. And to your point, you always kept it real. And those are the type of people that, that the media needs. Like Akib, your former teammate, he'll say anything. And that's what makes him so good. But you're the same way. Yep. Could you critique- I love listening to Akib because he's perfect. He's perfect for the job. Right. Could, could you critique yeah. and criticize former teammates? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You he, could do it. Yeah. You do it in a way you don't, you don't have to be disrespectful. Right. You know what I mean? Because he already knows. He's already been told in the in the film room. You right. You know what I mean? So you don't have to rag on him, but you can make it make a point. Be like, look, he should have done better here. Right. You know, this is what he should have done. You don't have to trash the guy and tell him he's, you know, an awful player. And right. The, the one thing that... should cut him and this and that. Like, that's not, that's not the way to go about it. But you can critique a guy without being disrespectful. You and I texted back and forth, and I told you whatever you need from me, you just let me know. The one piece of advice I'll give you on this phone conversation right now is this. As long as you don't make it personal, you can critique all day. Just don't make it exactly, personal. right? Yep, that's it. Don't slam somebody. Don't talk about his personal life. Don't say the guy sucks. Say it in a nice way. But at the end of the day, that's your opinion, and you have a right to it. Just don't make it personal. Right. And, you, and you won't do that. You won't do that. I would never. I know you wouldn't. Derek, my man, it was great to see you. Uh, first time meeting Abby. Uh, I'm seeing your daughter for the first time. I remember you talking about her. So, so wonderful to meet your family. Uh, all the best wishes in retirement. I hope one day you are in the ring of fame. I will certainly be there for that. And whatever you need when it comes to broadcasting, you have my number, my friend. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Derek, Derek Wolf. Number 95. Hopefully one day he will go into the ring Always of fame. a Denver Bronco. He is. He, he is your quintessential Denver Bronco. Coming up after the break, Rocky Mountain Forest Practice Gambling Challenge with Ty Calcade and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. We're going to give you the odds for the NFL's MVP award. Where is Russell Wilson? Who would you bet on? But who's the best value bet? That's next. Thunder. Hear him howling around your kitchen door.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to PinnacleDen.com. Okay, every Friday on the show, we do the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Gambling Challenge with our friends Ty Calcade and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. Here we go, fellas. Here are the odds for the NFL's MVP award for this upcoming season. Josh Allen is the favorite at 7-1. Mahomes and Brady tied at 8-1. Herbert, 9-1. Rodgers, 10-1. Prescott and Burrow, 12-1. And Russell Wilson at 14-1. Who would you bet on? And what's the best value bet? I couple those two to be the same bet. Be the same bet. I can I guess who you're going to go with? Yeah, I think you probably no, know. I'm going to guess. Can I guess? Yes, Joe Burrow. Correct. Because I you I'm have at, this thing about. I Joe am looking Burrow. at in a previous gambling challenge, as yeah. you're indicating here. Yep. I said I would take the Bengals at twenty to one odds to win the Super Bowl. Right. And so I'm in effect doubling down on that to an extent and taking Burrow at twelve to one. You know, the interesting thing is those odds are so close, you're really not taking a flyer on anybody right. if you take any of those. He, so he, so if I hadn't had that Cincinnati Super Bowl bet, quote bet, yeah. I, will, I will probably would not be making this one because I would simply say, who's going to win it? you got to bet on who's going to win it. See, here, I would take Josh Allen. He, here's the problem. Is, that, is the MVP vote going to be based on numbers? Or is it going to be based on, say, Russell Wilson taking a 7-10 and 10 team and suddenly making them 13-4. and four. Mm-hmm. We don't know how the voters are going to vote. I'd be willing to bet Wilson doesn't put up bigger numbers than a lot of these guys. But if they go from a 7-win team to a 12-13-win thir- to team, then I like his chances a lot better. That's a good long shot for me. I don't think Burrow, though, puts up bigger numbers than Josh Allen. But he, or- he doubled his, his, his yardage total between his first and second year. And he has a much better offensive line. Guys, what do you think? Um, one more quick thing. Odds for coach of the year. Uh, Brandon Staley, 14 to 1. Brian Dayball with the Giants, 14 to 1. Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings, 16 to 1. He is tied with Doug Peterson of the Jags, Dan Campbell with the Lions, and then Nathaniel Hackett. He is at 16 to 1. What's the best value? Well, Zach Taylor isn't on that list from Cincinnati, so I have to look elsewhere. Why would he be on that list? Because he's not, uh, he's, his odds are not high enough, no. low enough for him to be. Well, I'm sure he's like, I'm just saying I can't. I cannot take the Cincinnati trifecta because Taylor's. You're going all in with the Bengals. So I'm going to take, I would take Brandon Staley, the Chargers at 14 to 1. It's interesting also that every name at the top of this odds list hierarchy is a first or second year coach in the current job. Correct. Dayball, first year head coach. So is O'Connell. Peterson has been a coach, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Campbell, he's been with the Lions a year or two. And then Hackett is a first year guy. See, in my mind, Peterson is tempting because if their Jags are anything but awful, he would get consideration. No question. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? We'll talk about a project Sporting News did and how it ties into Denver sports. And this former Broncos quarterback is now embarking on a broadcast career. That's coming up next on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Goes out and the night's rolling, man, just like a long-lost friend, yeah. 
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my guy, Dan McKenzie, at the McKenzie Firm. Uh, he did my estate plan, my will, my living will, did the same thing for my wife. I was a guy who still, even to this day, a lot of questions, totally patient with me. Unlike Terry here, my partner, Dan was very patient with me. And we went through a lot of stuff, but everything was put together exactly how I had hoped. Now I have a tremendous peace of mind that everything is going to go smoothly the day Terry hits me with his car. With that, Dan, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I know that you are coming back from vacation. Are you enjoying uh, Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa? <laughs> I really feel I'm passing through Big Ten country here. We just sent, went through Iowa City. We're going to be in Lincoln in a couple hours here. So, well, I can uh, promise you, I, I can promise you one thing: with conference realignment going on right now, you do not have to worry about your Michigan Wolverines or anybody in the Big Ten inviting yeah. Iowa State. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm positive about that. With that, uh, there's so many reasons why I really enjoy working with you. You keep everything up to date. I don't know where I got an email from you or from T, your wife. Hey, we want to check in. Want to give you a free consultation. It's been a year. And you do that every single year. I am guessing that you have new clients that come in and you look at their will and you're like, when did you last update this? Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a lot of people come in with old plans, and they're usually off by about when they estimate how old it is. So if they say it's five years old, I know it's really ten. So <laughs> time passes a lot faster than people realize. So that's one issue. And then we are, you know, we do get cases in where probate needs to happen, and we're dealing with a couple of plans right now that are just um, very, very out of date, and um, really it's causing more problems than would have if there had been no plan at all. So. It's really important that you keep it up to date. A lot of people just kind of check it off the checklist and think it's done and then shelf it, and uh, that's kind of it. And then uh, we're dealing with very different relationships, very different tax laws, very different uh, just uh, legal environments than when they put the plan together, you know, sometimes more than 10 or even 20 years ago. You use the word probate. Uh, I'm not an attorney, although I have eight attorneys in my family. What will happen if somebody doesn't come see you? How does probate affect them? Um, it's just it's a court process. Um, so it is, I mean, there's a public element to it. And, you know, sometimes we don't really tell everyone to avoid probate, but there certainly are situations um, where you probably should. Um, so there's a few of those where people are trying to, you know, control things out a few steps or keep things kind of under wraps from some family members who might be difficult or just have things spread out around the country. Like Those are all situations where you really do want to avoid probate. Um, but sometimes we do have plans or probate's okay. I'm guessing there are more than a few people out there who are listening to the show. They're in their mid-20s and they're thinking, why in the world would I need to go see Dan 
I am yeah. single. I get paid about $35,000 a year. This would be a waste of my time. I'm guessing you'd, you would not try and convince them. You just very simply say to them, no, you do need to check this out with me. What would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, our biggest concern, you know, estate planning, a lot of people think it's about uh, who's getting my stuff when I die. And that's really only part of it. Uh, it really is about any situation where you need someone to deal with your affairs for you. So that can be because you're hospitalized. And that can happen to anyone uh, in their 20, 20s or younger. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I just got... <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I'll say one thing, Dan. It's for you. It's not and, for uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> it's for you. Um, no, but uh, really, we have a, some of the most famous probate cases in the world deal with people who are really young, right? So the, the most famous recent one is that Terry Shiloh situation with the woman who was in the vegetative state for 20 years. Right. Her parents and husband fighting over her. Well, she that happened to her when she was 28 years old. Right. So, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff can come up at any time for anyone, and it doesn't mean you passed away so sometimes those situations are harder actually how do people get a hold of you dan and they should by the way uh, uh they can call us at 303-578-2745 or they can go to our website the mckenziefirm.com go to the mckenziefirm.com by the way we were just in your office and uh you need to put out the candy that i like more when i go in there i would appreciate that the two people i worked with are lovely but dark chocolate's my thing did you know that i did not i did not well sorry that- now you do. Now you do. <laughs> Next time I come in. All right. See okay. you, Dan. Hope you and T uh, have safe travels back. Thank you. See you, man. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, the Sporting News did a Mount Rushmore project where they named four pro athletes from the 13 cities that have had at least four of the following five leagues represented uh, for at least 20 years, with the five leagues being NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and WNBA. Uh, Multiple players from the same franchise were allowed, and not every franchise needed to be represented. Denver's Mount Rushmore consisted of John Elway, Joe Sackick, Todd Helton, and Nikola Jokic. Uh, Agree or disagree? It's hard to argue with that. I might try to add Patrick Waugh, but it's hard to argue for more than one from any sport. But I'd I'd go along with that. I'd put Patrick Waugh ahead of Todd Helton all day. I wouldn't even think twice about it. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even put on Todd Elway. Would two Avalanche game. players deserve to be on there? Well, well, I, I would. I would put Elway. I'd put either Elway, Terrell Davis, Peyton Manning, Floyd Little over Todd Helton. You know who else I'd put over Todd Helton? Nolan Arenado. He's the best Rockies player of all time. It is an interesting project, though. The guy who's running it is Bob Kelly, the senior senior sporting news content consultant who who was an editor when I was at the Sporting News. Great guy, doing a great job, and I'm, it'll be a very entertaining project. It's not as if Nolan Arenado played here for just three years. He has the chance to go down as the greatest all-around third baseman to ever play the game. Already, former major leaguers have told me, that back in the day, and they watched Brooks Robinson, he's the best defensive third baseman of all time. 
And oh, by the way, he can hit. And he has proven that he can hit in St. Louis. It's not just here. He's better than Helton. It's not a personal thing. Helton was a baseball player. But let's be honest here. His numbers were inflated by no humidor. Well, Alex, you addressed the point of allowing multiple players from more than from one team. But I think there's a natural tendency to try to get one in each of the major sure. four. And you're saying Arenado instead of Helton. There's no question. He's the greatest Rockies player of all time. Better than Larry Walker, too. And Larry Walker was a great player. If he loved the game more, he would have been even better. But they clearly also factored in that Helton spent his entire career. I don't care about that. That's irrelevant to me. There are guys who who've spent their entire career in one place and weren't very good. They okay, just happen to hang on. All right, let's knock Helton off that list and put on Patrick Wong. Could you live with that? Honestly, here, if I had to be completely forthright about the greatest guys to put on a Denver jersey who played here for at least four years, okay, at least four years. So I'm taking Tony Dorsett off the list. <laughs> I'm taking Jerry Rice off the list. If we're being completely honest. Yari Curry. If we're being completely honest, that Mount Rushmore should be, should be, Jokic should be on there for sure. Yes. Jokic, Peyton Manning, no, Patrick Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh is one of the top four or five goaltenders to ever play this game. Well, I, I have him higher than that. Fine. Top what? He's the best one ever. Then he should be on the Mount Rushmore. He's the greatest ever, and he won two cups here. Yes. What? And I love Joe Sackick. Why should Sackick? Sackick is one of the top... Ten centers, maybe of all time. But he, he also spent his entire career here, and I realize and you're that's saying fine. That's that big. A deal. That's why I said four years or more. And I know people disagree with me, and that's fine. John Elway is the most important person in the history of this state when it comes to sports. Correct. There's no doubt about that. His longevity, what he means to the Broncos organization. He made the Broncos relevant. I understand the Orange Crush team. He made the Broncos relevant. I get all that. I get all that, but who's the better quarterback? And the answer is Peyton Manning. He led them to two Super Bowls and won one. Well, further muddy the waters because the best hockey player ever in this town is Peter Ford. But he didn't. He was he, he was in and out of the market several times. Right, and and Peyton Manning and his injury shorted, shortened. And, his and Peyton Manning had the greatest season ever by a quarterback in Denver. And if you look at his four best seasons ever, two of them came here in Denver. They just did. And I love Joe Sackick. And same with Forsberg. And we'll see what McCarr does and McKinnon does. Patrick Waugh is the greatest player to ever put on an Av sweater. It's not even debatable. Oh, uh, then I would say it's debatable because I would say the best player ever to put on an Av jersey is Peter Forsberg. That, but he was injured too much. He was injured too much. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. So it's hard to play without a spleen. It is hard to play without a spleen. I, I will give you that. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk into any store and try out the appliances before you buy them. They're sales staff. They can help you something with something to, I don't know, if you want something to fit your budget, you can design a whole kitchen. They have the years of experience to help you out. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, what happened at training camp today? Cody Rourke, our Broncos insider from MileHighSports.com will join us next.